Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson, and we got a whole nice little tasty handful of spring game action to look back over the weekend. Uh, Barton, spring game connoisseur. Does it feel good to be back in the lab, uh, chopping up the videotape, seeing the the ones on the twos, seeing the mixed up teams, everything that uh, that you love about uh, it's looking at the uh, the depth charts this time of year. I need I need my YouTube army to kind of get on the ball. Uh, I'm, the DVRs is 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 hot right now it's uh it's steaming um I, I need i need some i need my youtube friends to start cutting this stuff up and uh for me to laptop it at work here and there so uh it, it you know everyone's in sort of spring form you know some are some are you know adapt into the offense a little quicker than others i need my youtube guys to uh the the army of of of, of guys that sort of file this stuff away pick it up Let's get it rolling. Uh, what about uh, were you able to obtain USC and the Pac-12 network? I know that is always a concern uh, for <laughs> anybody in the country, making sure that they can find something on the Pac-12 network. Did you? Receive I got it? Uh, yes. Yeah, Oof. I actually forgot when I when I mentioned that last week that Pac Pac-12 network somewhere along the way I acquired. So I'm I have I'm covered on Pac-12 network and Yogi Roth. Always good to see the the Yogi Roth broadcast. He he had us covered at the the USC game. So, yeah, a few takeaways there for as much as you could glean from like uh, I mean that that's that that game was as much more practice than it was game. Um, and but we got we got a few takeaways from it. It's uh the Pac-12 just hopes that they can accidentally stumble into another college football playoff spot like you accidentally stumbled into having the Pac-12 network. That's right. That's right. It will be very unintentional yeah, on both ends. A hundred percent. All right. Well let's uh let's start at the defending champions. It was a, a celebratory day down in uh down at Death Valley. You know, we've got Trevor Lawrence who's just, you know, the man who can do no wrong in the state of in the upstate of South Carolina. And uh, a defense that I feel like you know, Xavier Thomas probably steps into the closest thing that we have in terms of a starring role, but a lot of new faces, good recruits. Um, but what were some of the things that stood out from uh, from the Tigers? I mean, Clemson is is very much on a. I mean, we this is not a surprise, right? But they're on like a tier you know, to themselves. Alabama maybe is in it. We'll see we'll see what the Ohio State spring game looks like and a couple of those others that have been recruiting at that level. But uh, this this product that they put on the field was looks very much like a game with rosters deep enough to where they could field two really talented teams. Uh, you know, their their second team is is starting caliber for most teams in the country. So like that alone is is, and and it's now sort of this premier showcase. ESPN, Herb Street. Whenever Herb Street shows up, you know it's that's that tells you where you're at in the in the priority list. Um, but 
like they're just it just looked so legit like it just looked like so much talent it's not like you know yeah there are guys that flash but the whole roster is just so talented and so Clemson's like there I mean it's it you know that you don't need a spring game to know it they've, they've done it in the national championship game but uh especially given out all that they're losing to the NFL draft they're they're still there and uh I mean defense line was impressive including a couple of the young guys but Clemson has like 17 early enrollees or something which is a huge number for anybody much less Clemson usually their classes aren't even that big and the, a bunch of those guys were were really good in, in particular I think probably the biggest sort of takeaway that that was just the most obvious hit you in the face kind of wow takeaway was Frank Ladson and Joe Gata as the, like the next two six foot three oh, six foot stupid. four avatar wide receivers that you know good luck stopping so I think they had like 115 and then 135 yards respectively between the two of them uh I mean you quarterbacks can can truly just sort of throw it up like they can just if if things get hairy and they kind of scramble around. They can just go throw it up to one of those guys covered, and they can make a play. And uh, I think at one point in the broadcast, uh, they noted that Jeff Scott, the receivers coach over there, feels like there's five first-round NFL draft picks a receiver on that roster. And I kind of believe it. Like that's just where we're at right now, right? In Clemson, like I, I, I have not watched the orange and white game yet. Um, we're we're full. I, CBSSports.com slash Masters First Cut. CBSSports.com slash Masters First Cut. It's going to be your home for all kinds of Masters coverage, including Amen Corner, the practice range, holes 15 and 16, and featured groups, which on Thursday will include Tiger Woods. All right. Um, do you have to like? Do you have to like tone down your energy a little bit when you're talking golf? No, I come really. Do you have to like get the whisper going, or, or, or are you just sort of the renegade golf guy that is, is allowed to get excited about it? I'm allowed to get excited about it because I I am a golf fan. Like I, I really enjoy, and I am a hooting and hollering golf fan. And so <laughs> I think I think that the, my my voice is definitely more uh, the golf fan who's watching in the sports bar than it is the one who's watching like in between the ropes. I understand how many like people, listeners that I will probably alienate by saying this, but Augusta kind of sounds like my nightmare in a way. Like you can't even wear your hat backwards. You you got like there's all these rules that you have to know, and and they're mostly about decorum, and that just sounds that sounds terrifying. So here's like, the other just side: walking around breaking rules in 2019. The fact that Augusta has no cell phones can be almost a social experiment and mentally refreshing in and of itself. That that is that yeah that rule is welcomed. Like right. I, you know, I, when I was in Europe and I had to be without cell phone, like that was kind of nice. Right, right, um, right. I'm good with that one. It's the it's the fear of breaking all the other like unwritten rules that I wouldn't even know. Um, but the. The big takeaway from me in terms of something that I felt like I learned about Clemson, um, at, you know, Anna Hickey at 24-7 Sports does a great job, like just notes on notes on notes from throughout Clemson spring practice. And I I felt like that was one of the strong things, like, oh my gosh, like they have, uh, t- they have a basketball team 
of basketball players that yeah. are just like all going to keep coming through. Because Amari Rogers' injury, you know, like really tough because Rogers is such a phenomenal athletic talent, and we've seen these these flashes where he's been so dangerous in terms of his quick strike, you know, one cut and he's he's gone ability. But you're looking at the depth at wide receiver. And they'll miss Amari Rodgers because he's special, but they are not hurting for depth at wide receiver at all. That looks uh, – and, you know, you pair it with Trevor Lawrence and the football that we imagine is left, and you consider Clemson's offense and how many touches there are to go around. I just – I don't see – I don't see a place where we should expect Clemson to all of a sudden become uh, incapable of scoring points on offense. If they put – literally, if they put together a basketball team with – the football players. I'm I'm trying to think about like what level they could win a championship on in basketball. <clears throat> like I think they could probably win a D3 national championship. I think <laughs> okay. they could, I think they could win an NAIA national championship. They could they could like maybe like win a couple games in the A Sun or something. Like they th- those guys like legitimately are elite basketball players that are are silly athletes with with great size so uh they've got that i think you know in the areas where they need to uh questions you want to want to sort of call it uh cornerback darian kendrick is, is is made the switch from offense another guy that could be a first round nfl receiver realistically uh, with the right development he's now a corner probably going to start um i remember watching him at the all-american bowl the army bowl a couple years ago he was a high school quarterback rolled in at receiver and just type of kid that just loves to practice and 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 so i have no doubt that his competitive temperament is going to be in good shape there at corner uh so many defensive linemen still looked like studs xavier thomas flashed justin maskell flashed a bunch of those guys um, and then Sheridan Jones also at cornerback was sort of the guy that had a really good day as a freshman, uh, won't be starting, but looked, looked like he's fully prepared to be a player there. So, uh, and, and keep, and like, they're also going against these other, these, these elite receivers every day. And so they're not even doing this against, you know, backups or walk-ons in the spring game. They're, they're playing and making plays against elite players. So, uh, I think Clemson is going to be. Just fine, and Trevor Lawrence added a little, added a few popcorn muscles to his uh, to his repertoire as well. He's he's like bulked up a little bit. So uh, Clemson's and Clemson is in good health right now. Hey, which popcorn muscles? Yeah, little cold, cold beach beach muscles. You know, <laughs> thickened up a little bit. Yeah, gains, baby. Yeah, yeah, working on those gains. Here's, uh, here's my question though. Right, like, as I'm watching Clemson. For so long, Dabo's been the refreshing, like, foil to Nick Saban's business-like approach at Alabama. I'm a little bit curious, now that Clemson is very much the blue blood, very much the, like, top of the hill, and they're getting, they're they're about to have a historically good recruiting class. Like, at this pace, they're going to have one of the best of all time. Uh... And they're winning national championships, and now ESPN is there every day. You know, and, and Marty Smith is like talking to every player, like you know, there's his best friend, and he sees him 
on a weekly basis. You know, is 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 the like Dabo Sweeney folksy? Oh man, what a good guy! Stuff gonna start to to wear off now that he's the the bully on the block. It's, like, is, it's is gone. the likability of that program and that and and that coach gonna start to to wear thin as he keeps on kicking everybody's ass? Uh yeah, absolutely. I kind of think it's gonna get there pretty quick this year. Well, I mean, that's the, the with the conversation. I've, I remember I brought this up before, but like at some point, um. And we almost hit it when there was all those comment. Like, w- to me, Dabo won't turn on everyone else first. It's going to be Dabo against his own fans. Remember when it was the felt like a loss rant right. that he had right. after the South Carolina game? Right. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's the friction's going to start internally before the rest of the country turns on him. But that kind of stuff, you know, trickles out and becomes so apparent so quickly because it. It just grinds on you, right? Like if, if Dabo's the hard on my sleeve, tell you how I feel type guy, and he's feeling like he's not getting the love and recognition around town that that he's looking to get, or if he's frustrated by some of the local storylines, like he can he can go from lovable Dabo Sweeney to becoming the the monster that he had to battle for those first couple years. He can he could become real spurrier with the love him and hate him type thing right well, yeah well because the fans want to sit at the at the big table like they want to sit they on for thanksgiving dinner they're they're ready to go and go ahead and graduate to the big table and Dabo's just fine like he's resisting he's like trying to stay at the kids table but he's he's a big kid at the, at the kid table like he's an adult now and so I, he's gonna push back on that and the fans i think are 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 gonna they're gonna want to play play big boy ball all the way through so yeah like i could see that but i could also see just from a national perspective just all the rest of y'all bus and and the the just kind of oh it's just a little old clemson over here and you know uh, everyone's just gonna get so sick of it because he's beating everyone's brains in so i i think we're at that point this year where if he can if he can stay likable this year that's gonna be. That's gonna take quite a quite a gift. Hey, so this is way too inside media, but I don't. I, I don't feel bad just sort of throwing this one out here. But the proximity of Clemson, South Carolina, to ESPN's college studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, has made it a very very cheap school to focus on. <laughs> I can tell. I mean, <laughs> like you, that Marty Smith was there on the sidelines, and every every guy was like, "Man, it's great to see you again, buddy." At the end of his interviews, like. <laughs> Every interview is like, oh yeah, how's you know? Uh, wish yeah, man, it's gonna. I'm gonna miss talking to you, man. <laughs> like, like farewells to his 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 friends, and it's like it was very clear that Marty Smith has has kind of a side office in the Clemson football building. Also, the fact that ESPN will be launching the ACC network in August, and will be doing so with the defending football and basketball national champions. I I would think that there's going to be a lot of. Uh, a lot of Clemson cross promotional hyping up the ACC coming, and like, I'm, I'm an ACC guy, but I'm just trying to prep myself for both the promotion and then the backlash to the promotion that's coming. And by the way, Kirk Herbstreit's twin boys just uh, walked on at, at uh, Clemson. It'll be there in the fall. Get so out. Like, but I mean, and and don't get me wrong, like Clemson deserves it. They're the national champs. I mean, they, I'm not saying they're getting overcovered either. I'm just saying 
now that they're getting national championship type of coverage and now that they have the kind of talent and the kind of NFL draft pedigree where it's like you can no longer claim the that you're an outsider in this in this football conversation uh it's it's going to be a new a new perspective that uh that fans kind of keep an eye on moving forward um anything else from clemson nah really good they're really really good good. uh all right we'll get into more notes from usc lsu purdue south carolina old miss arkansas and nc state right after this the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived thanks to the visionary minds of new balance clutch athletics and rich paul the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community with rising defensive football stars will anderson and chase young on the roster clutch athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes giving them style and performance on and off the field learn more and purchase clutch athletics at newbalance.com this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law so we're thankful that you were able to get uh, Yogi Roth on the on the call. He knows that USC program. He carries the torch. We've got a lot of friends that are all in on the Pac-12 and on USC amidst plenty of national narratives skewing the other way. As you were inside the happy chamber, everything is fine. Did you feel like things were looking up? for? Uh, were, were you buying into the positivity about the trajectory of the USC program? No, I don't. Tr- I don't trust myself even with USC anymore. I can't. I've 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 been too optimistic on them for for too long, and so I don't even trust myself to give a fair evaluation of USC. The one my biggest takeaway from that spring spring event, whatever you want to call it, is like contrasting with Clemson and the SEC games and even Purdue. I mean, USC. It was it was just a practice. It was a practice with a couple scrimmage sessions and a couple team periods. They had seven on seven. They had a stretch period with fit in within the the two hour window of, of television. It's it was like it felt, and I I mean I get that what you're trying to accomplish in the spring, and I guess if you're not going to get sixty thousand people, uh, that it makes sense to just do a lighter you know, event on the practice field, whatever. Like, I, I mean, I, I guess I get it, but it's just a different intensity level. It felt like then it's, it felt less important. It felt less, you know, the plays were, I mean, the competition was a little bit less intense. Uh, so I, I, and I guess that's sort of in a way what the knock on USC has been. I don't know whether if, I don't know whether, that's just sort of the way you have to do it in the Pac-12 or in Los Angeles, uh, but because of the, you know, the lack of interest in this sort of a season out there. But 
I just didn't leave it feeling like, all right, they've got a renewed sense of focus, and this team, this is a new team. It just felt like a, felt like another practice. Felt like you know a a, a spring scrimmage, not the spring game. Mm. So I don't know, man. I, I that said, I mean, there were some guys that popped. I mean, the, the I'd say the the guy that I'm most excited about on that program is Drake Jackson who's a true freshman defensive end. Like, there's always a guy that you get two weeks, you get a week into spring practice, and I already start regretting their ranking. We had Drake Jackson, I think, 53rd in the country or something really high. I mean, he, but I'm already regretful he wasn't a five-star uh, just because he just looks like a future first-round draft pick. And he had one interception, pick six, where he just stuck a big paw out there on like a flare pass. Or, or like a quick screen to the receiver, and uh, one-handed it, took it to the house, looked looked like a freaking track star running down the sideline. Like I just, he's just really good. So I mean, they've got guys like that. You know, Marlon Marlon Tui Pelotu popped some. Marquis Step is a is like a second year guy that had, was a massive back, but a impressive long run. Like they still have these guys that flash, and they still have Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughns and all these receivers that are so good and, you know, JT Daniels still looked, you know. Well, what about the offense? Did you feel like you saw anything that was like, I mean, did, did you see a, a pace or an attack that, that inspired, you know, any, any you to take a note uh, as to certain things that impressed you? Sure. I mean, I think it was what we, you know, we talked about and just sort of, you know, they just distributed the football pretty efficiently, and they hit on some big plays, even though the, the secondary was a little banged up. So I don't know who they're hitting on those plays against. But, yeah, they. I mean, I, I, I still think Graham Harrell is, was a good hire, and the offense is going to be good. And I think probably more than anything, were, uh, that offense strikes me as one that's not going to put as much pressure on the offensive line and, that, and, and just taking – Given a, a little bit of a release valve on that development, and sort of injected some oxygen into that, uh, that the development of that position, I think is going to be beneficial. So, I mean, yeah, and the offense looked good, um, but again, it's just there's there's too many play like there's so many good players there that it better look good, and. I, I just can't trust USC until I see them win games against good teams, which is what they should do every game. When you were tuning in to the LSU spring game, did you do it with or without your Joe Burrow jersey on? <laughs> <laughs> and longtime listeners of this podcast, once the uh, the old school ones who've been around for the twenty four seven Sports College Football podcast, those who remember that even. At Ohio State, it was Barton Simmons who was beating the drum and saying Joe Burrow needs to be the starter for the Buckeyes. What do we think? LSU fans are – well, I don't know that – no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know that I ever said Joe Burrow needs to be a starter for the Buckeyes. I just said that he is very legit and competent. I don't it, know. I'm not sure I ever was like – You were turning to him also out of a belief that JT Barrett could not win a national championship. And the claim, if I remember correctly, was give Joe Burrow a shot at it. Well, or Dwayne Haskins. Or Dwayne Haskins. Right. 
I, yeah, I just think I was never sold on, you know, Joe Burr. Like, a, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow had a really good spring game at Ohio State like two springs ago. And, you know, I think he we always got good reviews coming out of practice. And But he is what he is ultimately, which is just – and this is what he was in high school. He You know, he completed like 78% of his passes in high school and like was just this very efficient kid who just diced up uh, a, a lower classification. And, you know, that's what – I think that's what he is at LSU too. Is he's a he's very accurate, efficient. He's a great leader. He's gritty, but I'm not. I'm still not sure how like dynamic he is. But um, you know, I think LSU, as much as anything, like LSU sort of crept up on us to where now LSU actually is this different look than what we're used to traditionally with LSU. They've eased into it. But now all of a sudden, I mean, they're pretty much exclusively working out of the gun. Um, they're, you know, they're throwing it, the ball around. Isn't that personnel driven? Like, doesn't it just come from the fact they got too many damn good wide receivers? Yeah, I think that's part of it. But uh, but I still think that that's, and and I'm, I think it's the right approach. But I also think we never would have seen that in the Les Miles tenure. Uh, and so it's it's a it's a little bit refreshing to see them finally embracing it. And I mean, I, they didn't turn their back on it last year, but I, I think just watching that offense operate, I mean, there was really you know kind of high volume distribution, throwing the football. They took shots. They you know they find open spaces. They'll throw it around. But there's also still a physicality of the run game, and you know maybe that's personnel driven too because the backs are uh, Chris Curry was a looked impressive as like a physical, you know, downhill north south back. Um, but I just like the way the offense is now I don't know, settled into it. It it's it's found itself, you know, is comfortable in its identity now as a as an offense that just can really just sort of get in the gun and just toss around and just throw the rock. Um, and there's a lot of guys that can make plays at receiver. They're very deep at that position. Um and and they're deep in I mean they're deep at defensive back, they're deep at deep you know linebacker. They're uh, I mean that, this is a team that's uh, you know they're they're pretty sneaky good as far as talent level. Well, it's it, like talent level at LSU has been strong at least if you want to measure it by you know the NFL draft picks that have have continued to come out of Baton Rouge. It's not as though there was a right. a massive drop-off in number of pros that were on the roster. I think that with a sort of unified mission and, and whatever confidence sort of comes out of last season and the continuity that you have from moving into this year, there's, you know, there's... Like, how about this? Uh, when he gets on campus, do you think that uh, John Emery is going to be like stepping it, being able to step into that offense and have an instant impact? Well, Clyde, Ed- Clyde Edwards, Elaire looked like a guy they were fully prepared to make it number use. one. Uh, I don't know about making number one, but, but use heavily because he can catch the ball out of the backfield and he's, you know, he's just, he's a, he's a tough guy to, to, to wrap up. Um, and Chris Curry looks like your sort of prototypical kind of Daryl Williams, um, big back downhill dude but I, I still think no one gives them what John Emery would give them or will give them and so I still think John Emery if whether he's the starter or not he will be the guy that LSU fans are talking about 
by midseason at the at the latest. So I'm still a believer in that. Uh, Derek Stingley, their other five-star freshman, had another interception in the game. Um, uh, you know that that dude's he is as sure a thing as there is in the country right now. Just a freshman stud at corner. Um, so he he was impressive. The other thing that was like interesting to me about LSU is when you look at their defensive line, and I don't even know if I like this. I mean, it's, it's it is consistent with what you want, I guess, in that defensive system. But like ninety one, sixty two, seventy two, these guys are like three hundred and fifty plus pounds. <laughs> like uh, Apu Aika, who's their true freshman, who actually looked pretty good in that game is like trimmed down to 360 or 355 or something. Um, the, uh, you know, Braden Vahoko is 91. He, he's, he's, he's massive. Yeah. Uh, 72 is, is, is the other kid that was, you know, just like a 370 pounder when he arrived that that's trimmed down to like 340 or something. And early in the, early in the game, early in the spring game, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't, what's it like, these guys can't really move, but as the as the game progressed, like you could kind of see them clog things up, and then the the outside line, like the pass rush, started to show up. And so I'm just interested in like what a what a defensive line like that looks like. I think the Ica kid is getting rave reviews. He looks really good. You know, can he play more than can he piece more than two plays together in a row? You know, at that size, is he going to be able to trim down even more? Is that the way this off defensive line is going to kind of be shaped moving forward, or just they're all just these monster dudes? And will that be a you know something you can exploit with a pace tempo type of team? So I, it, it was interesting to me just seeing how massive those guys were, uh, and, and I'm going to keep an eye on that and just see if that's if that's like because that, that's that's a little bit against the grain to the national movement right now, which is to get skinnier. Yeah, which is to get athletic, get right. like the Ed Olivers or or Rashawn Garys or whatever, not not these just space eaters. Now, um, if if you're so. telling me that your that your mentality here is, you know, we believe our linebackers and defensive backs are so good that it would prevent, like, it would benefit us just to have these space eaters who can just create a push or at, at you know at the minimum clog some gaps. And just let it that frees everyone else to fly around and make plays. I can I can rock with that mentality. We just have to wait and see if it's going to be able to put into practice when you're going up against an Alabama team that's been sped up, an Auburn team that's been sped up. Like it is really fun. We talked last episode about having some good feels about Auburn going into this season. We know what Alabama's going to be. LSU's exciting, but yet one of those teams is going to finish five and three. In SEC right. play, probably, right? Yeah, yeah, and I got—I guess I'm curious whether it just sort of—is this the—is this the plan? Like they just—they really want for you know their their defensive interior guys to be 350 plus, and they've recruited that way, or they've just sort of—that's just sort of the way it's ended up. And and how how are they going to? You know, they got to play Arkansas, who's going oh, yeah. to try to. You know they got to play Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss is going a million miles an hour with uh, Rich Rodriguez now, and uh, that this is a very old school construction. Um, 
but I, Dave Aranda's no dummy. So <laughs> that's true. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not doubting it. Right. I'm just, I'm right, just right. You know. <laughs> We're talking about one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. Who are we to be questioning the the thought here? Uh, all right, well let's let's go uh, to Arkansas, Ole Miss, and South Carolina. Um, e- e- either one of those, where do you want to start, or what what particularly stood out to you uh, from those other three big SEC spring games that we had this weekend? I thought Kelly. I thought um, the Holinsky kid. South Carolina. South Carolina. Their their true freshman quarterback looked good as the backup, and that's really encouraging. Just it, I just feel like there's a real comfort there if you're South Carolina now to just know, all right, like we can exhale. We got Jake Bentley. We're gonna if 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 Helensky doesn't win the job behind him, then that that is a really good indicator for DK uh, Joiner. So. We're in good shape at quarterback. All right, Will, like, go take care of the defense. Get us squared away there. At least we got quarterback comfortably in place for a few years. Right. So I think that's just a that's just a, a like a sigh of relief there. Um, and then on the other side, like I, I do think they looked and Will Muschamp talked about it. Like they looked bigger, deeper up front. Um, they've had flashes of guys that were the right prototype now it looks like they've got a room full of them so you know maybe this this team can kind of become finally what what really kind of they were supposed to be last year i mean everyone was like sniffing around at them as like a dark horse east east contender that didn't play out that way um this year i think they will legitimately like they're going to go under the radar like they're not going to get all that preseason buzz i wouldn't expect but you know maybe low-key they actually are a real candidate to make some noise. So I, I think that they, they showed enough in that game to where, you know, I could be convinced their season could go any number of different ways. What about Rich Rodriguez? So we got Rich Rodriguez on one side. Um, we've got Mac. We got coach Mac on the other. Yeah. Like this, this is an Ole Miss coaching staff that when Ole Miss sent out that spring prospectus, all they had to do is just throw those three faces on the cover. What's crazy is like the, when when they were looking for a new head coach, when Hugh Freeze was let go, it was the the head coach that they were going to hire was either going to be Matt Luke or Mike McIntyre. Like they almost hired Mike McIntyre as their head coach two years ago, uh, and now he's back as a defensive coordinator after getting fired at Colorado. So it's a very bizarre kind of vibe in the sense like even ESPN opened up the broadcast with the sideline reporter like every other broadcast the sideline reporter sitting there with the head coach this time she's she's interviewing Rich Rod and McIntyre just those two side by side like I guess it's a it's quite the storyline that you got these two high profile head coaches as your coordinators and uh, I'm just that's going to be interesting how that dynamic works um, and 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 just yeah I wouldn't expect there to be any issues in year one or anything like that but it is kind of odd it's sort of a weird dynamic um you know matt luke could have very well been working for mcintyre a year ago um and and then but i do think and i don't have any i don't have expectation for Ole miss to be very good this year i mean they just lost too much and they didn't recruit well enough um and defense is just i don't i 
I mean, there are some flashes. There's some, some guys made some plays on defense that that look like all right. Maybe I'm underestimating them, but offensively, we got Matt Corral, right? Matt Corral's the quarterback. Yeah, and it, it, Rich Rod is running that, you know, up tempo system, and Corral's doing some quarterback zone read, quarterback run threat stuff. And when he releases the football, man, like some of those throws look unbelievable. He's still got as strong an arm as there is in the country. I think it's just about kind of the the mental side of the game, like how 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 advanced is he on that side of it. But there's like I came away just being like, you know what? There's going to be some exciting moments this season for Ole Miss. It's not going to be a good year, but there's going to be some 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 like a big upsets or some some development maybe over the course of the year. Like I, I do think it matters having coaches of that level that they have as their coordinators and, and uh, sort of bought into this thing. So back, I'm not – I, I feel door. like I came away with a better feeling at Ole Miss than I, I, I expected to have. Ole Miss is going to be backdoor cover central. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Rich Rodriguez is coaching his ass off in the fourth quarter of a blowout trying to put something good on tape. No doubt. Get on that train for sure. <laughs> um, all right. What about – let's see. Arkansas. Arkansas. I didn't get to I didn't get to watch a ton of that one. I, I I did check in like right as Trey Knox, their true freshman, six foot five dude out of like my backyard, <clears throat> was p- putting together some enormous fifty yard catch and run. Um, and I mean they recruited really well, so that's a you know that that's that's a program that you kind of expect to make strides this year. Uh, but man, that's that's a that's a steep hill to climb just with the other teams you got to beat in that division <clears throat> but they'll, they'll be improved i just i didn't see enough in the spring game to to get a f- great vibe one way or the other what about uh at purdue where jeff brom is has like a th- three to five year running leash just by saying he's going to stick around yeah i mean they th- elijah sindelar didn't play he was their starting quarterback I thought, like, bottom line with Purdue, like, they just look like a legit program. Like, there, there are days in the past when we would, would turn on the Purdue spring game, and it's like, I can't watch this. Like, this is, this is, this is not college football. Like, this is, I don't have time to to, to waste my day on a Purdue spring game. But this was, you know, they were playmakers. There, they were, there was talent on both sides. There was, you know, George Karloftis is their five-star true freshman. He had a sack and a tackle for loss and, and looks every bit like the guy we hoped he would be. Um, they were turning they, – they, their starting quarterback wasn't playing, but they the defense was turning the offense over. Uh, so I think that's – you know, you're hopeful the offense – or the defense takes a step forward. So uh, I think the, the incremental progression is there for Purdue. That's – Good. That's all you can ask for. That's yeah. all you really want. Um, and then finally, NC State Wolfpack. What'd you feel? I didn't see that one. But I did see that Zonovan Knight rushed for like 150 yards, who's their true freshman running back. And I did see that Joshua Harris, who's their just like massive barrel-chested true freshman defensive tackle, had seven tackles in the spring game, which is kind of stupid for like a 340-pound kid. Um, so... They they seem to be I think pretty excited about their their group of newcomers. Um, 
you know, NC State's always got sneaky talent. So they'll they'll sneak up on us and and uh, pop off a couple NFL guys that we didn't see coming this year. Uh, Dave Dorn's not going to give us anything on the quarterback competition. I didn't watch it, but I've caught a lot, little bit of the fallout and commentary. Texted some of my uh, unofficial sources. You know, like your unofficial source is just your boy that went to the, the state spring game. Hey, right. man. Hey, man. How'd they look? Uh, very, very bland offensively, but with the internal promotion of Dez Kitchens and George McDonald, I, th- I think that wouldn't you say that Eli Drinkwitz kind of reputation as a good chalkboard guy? He has a reputation as a chalkboard guy, I would say, yeah. Yeah, I would say all the hard work that he did to to sort of build out an offense. I think the game plan is to just, uh, you know, Apple C, Apple V, open up a new Google Doc, copy and paste. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I and, and those guys have been like kitchens and – I don't know. I don't know how long George McDonald's been there, but I feel like Dez has been there for most as of Doran's Doran tenure. Has, yeah, uh, McDonald came after Scott Schaefer got like when it wasn't Scott Schaefer before Dino Babers at Syracuse. Does that sound uh, right? Right, right. Yes, yeah. He, so he was on that staff, he was on that staff, and so after Schaefer was hired, and when Dino was hired, that's when uh, he came to NC State. So yeah, this will be his third or fourth his fourth season coming up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I think that NC State's going to be. A, I mean, it feels like they're a quality candidate to be a non-Clemson contender in that division. No doubt. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve.